Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. Joining me is someone who runs a results-focused internet marketing agency. And Matt Bowman, the thing that I find about people who run agencies is it's an easy way to get started and it has basically unlimited growth potential. And it feels to me like that's what appealed to you at a time when you didn't know what else you could do. You needed to make money. You could get started with this and you can continue to build it up. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> that's quite an intro I just gave you, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on today. Um, yes. The, the reason that I started my agency was it was a low barrier to entry. Uh, I had happened to just, you know, had an encounter or did a project where I built a website and I just really loved it and fell in love with the, the power of the internet to connect people people to products, people to people. And, and so, yeah, there, I would say there wasn't a whole lot of a business plan put together. Uh, it was more of a, Hey, this is fun. And somebody might pay me to build them a website. And that's about as far as I went when I first got started. What's your revenue today? Uh, we're going to do close to 15 million this, this year. And we're, we're, uh, looking to continue to grow. Get out. All right. We're going to find out how he did it. Thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you have people who work for you, and I'm intentionally not just saying employees, but contractors too. If you have people who work for you and you need them to get paid, you want to handle their benefits and you don't want all the agita involved in handling it, I'm going to convince you to go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. And second, if you're launching a website, I'm going to convince you that you should be going to hostgator.com slash Mixergy to do it. But first, Matt, you were. <laughs> this is kind of a, a weird place for me to get started, but did I understand this right? that you were working for a nonprofit in a summer program and they said to you, can you build us a website? And that's how the whole thing started. That's right. What were you doing at this nonprofit? Yeah, I was a team leader uh, of eight young people and we were working and living in this area of Dallas um, that has a lot of poverty and homelessness. And we were, we were basically uh, there just to help. Uh, we, we were part of this community development program and it was a summer program that they wanted to take into a, a year-round program. And so they said, hey, we need to give this thing a name and uh, build a website and recruit some people. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, I have no clue how to build websites, but I'll, I'll figure that out for you. And so that's uh, how, I, how I got started. I called a good friend of mine named Peter and uh, asked him to come to Dallas and help me, help me do it. And he did. And he we spent uh, several late nights in the computer lab and he taught me Microsoft front page and that's how we got started. What was the nonprofit? What were you doing there? Yeah. So it's called Cornerstone and uh, they are a, a church and a community development center in South Dallas. Um, that's just trying to make an impact in that neighborhood. And so I was hired to be the leader of this team of uh, young people that were working there in the summer, kind of like interns. Uh, got paid job. Uh, yes, it was okay. <laughs> technically it was paid, but it maybe was a dollar an hour or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Why so, were you doing it? Was it because of the money? Was it because of the experience leadership? Um, why was I doing it? Well, I'm a Christian and, uh, service to my community and, uh, you know, the world around me as a part of my beliefs and my faith. Uh, I had actually spent a year in Germany uh, two semesters technically, uh, doing the same thing. And I had come back from Germany and, and got this job in Dallas. I thought I was going to be a full-time, you know, someone in full-time ministry. That was, that was the direction that I thought I was, I was going in. Uh, and then this, 
this intersection of business came along and uh, what happened was the the team there at Cornerstone applied for a grant for me to you know have a salary and the grant fell through and and so they said hey we know you need to earn a living and uh, so if you need to go get a job or whatever we understand and I said I think I'm gonna try my hands at building websites and uh, my my supervisor at the time his name is Pastor Chris uh, he said, that sounds great. I'm going to be your first paying customer. So that's how we got started. Let me pause right there. I'm hearing some noise come in, yeah. in the background. Did, hey, guys, we're recording. Let me close the door. Sorry, Andrew. I got to ask you something about my team. Did we offer to buy you a microphone? I feel like every single guest should have a microphone. I just worked to send a, a mic to somebody in London because the <laughs> team wasn't able to get it to him overnight. Did we offer uh, to buy you a microphone? Let's bring I, people in behind I feel you. like that was mentioned uh maybe but um yeah i i wasn't one of my employees was actually doing uh -huh. a lot of the back and forth with the, with your team um so i'm not sure you know what i think i need to do i mean you're a company like leader you're a systems person i imagine i think i need within the booking process of doing the interview i just need to say what's your address i'm going to mail you a mic and then fire off an email to someone on the team that says send a mic to this person. We're going back and forth too much. Like we're so, I don't know what it is. Like everyone's watching every nickel when in reality, every guest should have a mic. I think what we might be doing is email. I'm making you so uncomfortable. Like you started oh, telling me I, how you're a Christian who cares I about have people. A, uh, I have a very probably cheap mic here, but it, it may not be working that well. Oh, okay. So maybe you did. So bring it over closer to you and try not to rub on the table. I think that's yeah. picking up some audio. That there. What it is. One oh. other just, Yes. Piece of feedback. I assume this isn't going to be in the recording. No, it is going to be in the recording. I, I always loved as a kid <laughs> listening to Howard Stern when he would bring someone in from his team and say, how, how are we screwing up here? We got to improve. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to I be kind. I did ask your team today, hey, what do I need to prepare? You know, what questions will I be asked? Is there anything like that? And, um, you know, they said, hey, so-and-so will go over the questions, uh, you know, ahead of time. Um, but I don't know if that ever, that ever happened. So that would be So another. we did, we have your pre-interview notes here in front of me. Okay. I think that enough people are asking, what do I need to know in order to prepare that I should also add that to our system? That yeah. the email that comes out that says you're coming in should say, don't worry about the questions. Here's what we'll cover. You're set. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be better. Cause I, I want to do my best to make this yeah. uh, valuable, valuable for your readers. Um, and I can talk about my story, so I don't necessarily need to prepare that, but I didn't know if there was some specific things you wanted me to pull together, like some examples of our work or other things like that, that I could have, you know, done some homework on. Um, I get it. I think we do need to reassure people a lot. We need to let them know here's what's coming up and let them know, don't worry, we're not here to like sandbag you with random, random questions that you have no reason to know. All right, but here's what I'm getting from you, Matt. You're a good person. Even when I was complaining internally about our process, I could see you wince. That you're somebody who would go and work at a dollar an hour growing up. You're someone who went to Germany to do good work. I was never like that. I was always an entrepreneur. I always wanted to see what's the business idea. Not that I even wanted to spend money on anything. It gave me no joy to buy anything. And that also is a problem. But it gave me joy to build something up, to be entrepreneurial. Did that happen to you too, Matt? Is any of that resonating with you? So, um, what, what makes me entrepreneurial? Is that kind of what, what you're asking? Uh, were you entrepreneurial at all as a kid? Were you somebody? Oh, who yeah. kept, you were. Oh, yeah. Give me Absolutely. an example. 
So I, I grew up, I'm a fifth generation entrepreneur and not just an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur in Texas. So I, I, I come from a line of very um, independent people. Uh, my mother and all three of her siblings all own their own businesses. Almost all of their kids all own their own businesses. Uh, my grandfather's business still is in operation. It's a furniture store. So I just grew up around that. It was kind of normal to me. Like I, I visited my aunt's daycare center called the Little Dude Ranch. Uh, I visited my grandfather's furniture store and we, I helped work there, you know, over Christmas break sometimes and move furniture around. So for me, that was sort of normal. When I was a kid growing up, um, I would do things like, you know, sell pocket knives at Boy Scout camp. You know, I, I went one year and I saw the knives that they had. And then the next year I came back and I had the knockoff versions of those knives that I bought for cheaper. And I sold them on the doorstep of the, you know, the trading shop where they sold the knives. And uh, really? I, sold battery, I sold battery operated fans. And, and then I sold the batteries separately because they'd run out. In the sun. <laughs> um, there was parent night on you know, Wednesday night when my mom would come in and my dad and they would bring me new inventory. That was the, the big thing was make sure you bring me batteries and more knives and, you know, the things that I needed to, keep my, my business going there at, at camp. So I was always just, I enjoyed that. And my parents encouraged it in me, I think because they grew up around it as well. It wasn't something that they ever uh, discouraged or, or anything like that. They really encouraged me to do that. Why do you think? Why did they encourage me? Yeah. Were they thinking, I want my kid to be an entrepreneur or, or just whatever it is that he's interested in, we're going to support that. I think it's the second. I, I okay. don't think I, I never heard either of my parents say, if you're smart, you'll do this or that. There, there wasn't necessarily that. It, it was more of a, this is what you enjoy doing. And we're going to, we're going to support you in that. Okay. And so when you saw that, that the church, was it the organization that you were working for needed a website, you said I could build it. You learned how to build it. Was the first one for free, just part of your job? Yeah, it that's was. right. And yeah. then how did you transition from there to, I think I need to build websites for other people? Well, I, I thought I was going to be employed and this program was going to take off. And we, we, we had a name and we had a site. But then, like I said, this, uh, this grant that they applied for didn't happen. Or, you know, the money to pay my salary fell through. And so then it was, I had to figure something else out. And um, so from there... I said, that was really fun. I'm going to try building websites for nonprofits. And so that's how I got started. And, and my first paying uh, was, was Pastor Chris. He needed a, a site for another project in their organization. And he paid me, I think it was $1,500, which was big money to me at that time. Um, I took a thousand of it and bought a laptop and software. And then I took 500 of it and bought a round trip ticket to Germany to visit my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Wow. And you built up that site, you were in business. And at some point, one of the friends that you made at Boy Scouts, his dad passed away, lung cancer, right? Yes. And he asked you to do what? Yeah. So I, I had grown the business um, for maybe a year or two. And, but it was still very, very small business, just me and my wife. She was a full-time student at the time. So it was really, really just me. And I had this kind of marquee client. I know a lot of people when they're starting a business, you can uh, have sort of one or two big clients that pay the bulk of your you know, living wages. 
And so I had this client that that, that was it for me. And um, without going into too many details, it wasn't a great relationship. And uh, um, the person that was leading that organization, my client, uh, asked me to do some work on a day that I was off. And I was off because I was speaking at the funeral of my, my scoutmaster, uh, who was my friend's dad. And, um, you know, I just, I had, I had this sort of crisis moment where my biggest client was demanding that I work for them today. And my, one of my best friends in the world and, and this mentor of mine was having a funeral and, uh, I had to make a decision about what I was going to do. And for me, it was a difficult decision <laughs> because you, you saw earlier, maybe I'm, uh, I'm maybe a little too nice or too sensitive. Uh, for my wife, it was not a difficult decision at all. <laughs> what was she, she saying? She said, get them out of here. You know, she, she said, they're going to treat you like that. Life is ah, too short. She said, lose the client, lose the do client. the right thing. Lose the client, do the right thing, get them out of here. Even though it was like 70% of our family income, you know, at that time. Um, so, so yeah. Um, did you lose the client because you went to speak at your friend's father's yes. funeral? You did. Yeah. I and how did that I, impact your family? Uh, it was, it was a big decision, but one like many, I think other entrepreneurs can relate to you, you go through this hard situation and then you come out on the other side and you realize that was the right thing. And I'm glad I did it because it made me better. And, and now I'm in a much better place. Um, so it impacted us for a little while, but you know what, soon after that, I got new clients that replaced, um, that income and, and, How? and they were ones that, uh, were thankful to work with me. How, how'd you get new clients? Um, like many small businesses in the early days, it was all based on referrals, uh, doing good work, taking care of your customer and, uh, asking for referrals. And so that was, that was how I grew in the, in the early, early days of the agency. Now, so when you lost 70% of your, your revenue, you went back to your current clients and you said, do you know anyone? I have some space. Is that what it was? Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and you were building websites at the time, just straight up website build website only. And I was doing some, um, email marketing, like helping people build email newsletters and a little bit of video work, but, but most of it was building websites and, and almost all of it was for nonprofit organizations at that time. Okay. And you said that this wasn't based on some kind of a plan. What were you thinking you were going to grow up to be then? Oh man, I had uh, very little, I would say, long-term vision. I mean, my, my goal, my wife and I were married. Um, she, as I said, was a full-time student, had no income. Um, I, was, I was very blessed. I want to thank my grandfather who's passed away. When I, when I was born, uh, he put $2,000 into a mutual fund. He did this for all of his grandkids. And uh, that grew over time. And and that money became uh, a down payment for a home. So after I graduated from college, I was able to actually buy my first home. Um, Wait, the, how much did it grow into? Uh, I think it was 20 or 25,000, something like that. Okay. All right. Wow. So it was a, it was a down payment uh, amount. It wasn't like I bought the house for cash. Um, but yeah, the, the mortgage payment on our home was $472.95 a month. And, uh, that, that was the thing that I had, you know, sticking on my wall that if I can make that much per month, we won't be homeless. You know, it's a, um, that was about as far as my vision went at that time. It was my wife's in school. She's doing her social work program. 
I need to make at least 500 bucks a month so we can have a house. Hopefully we'll have some food too and some other things in there. Um, but yeah, I was just focused on providing just it, my, my vision was just really for me and my my wife at that time. You know what? I've been thinking a lot lately about where is Mixergy going? I knew the plan in the beginning and then a lot of what I was trying to do didn't pan out. I'm now trying to figure out what's the new plan. And I have to say, I'm not somebody who's comfortable without knowing uh, what the vision is, what the plan is, where it's going. And sometimes I wonder if maybe I'm just overstressing myself by trying to think about it. Maybe I should be the way that you were when you were getting started. What do you think? I would, I would say there is value to both sides of that. Um, Having I learned now, and and I've done that through the mentorship of some, uh, you know, great friends and leaders in business. That having a vision and having a plan allows you to be proactive, allows you to work toward a goal instead of being reactive. But but when you're small, I think you're still defining where's your market fit and what do you what do you truly enjoy. And in that sense having a specific plan can actually be a detriment because it may not be exactly what you think. Like when I first started, I thought video, I was going to do most of my business in video and I just wasn't getting video projects and man, all that video equipment was expensive and I didn't have the money to buy all this stuff and these lights and cameras and mics. And so it was really kind of like, I enjoyed the website of things and it was cheaper and so yeah, not not having a specific plan allowed me the flexibility to kind of settle in. And then it it's adapted and changed over time. Now I have almost 200 employees and then I thought I would have, you know, never be just, you know, bigger than me and, and my wife. And so that it's it's sort of evolved and you just you have to adapt and overcome. That's what every day is as a business owner. You have problems that arise and you have to adapt to them. So adaptability is a huge characteristic of what I think is important. I'm going to take a minute to talk about uh, HostGator. You use them. I'm going to ask you about that experience in a moment. But if someone's listening to us and they say, you know what? I like this idea of starting an agency. It's just my work at first is, is the, the service that I'm selling. And then eventually I can build it up. Is there a type of agency that you'd recommend that they could go and launch? Maybe they go to HostGator, build a quick website for it, and they're in business. What would you recommend? Well, not one to compete with me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I, uh -huh. I think there's uh, there's a lot of agencies out there, a lot of small agencies. I'm a part of some groups on Facebook where there's a lot of people that are, you know, one, two, three employees and they've got some clients and they're doing great work for their clients. And so I would say the the sea is vast and large for a lot of services out there and people that are trying to, uh, you know, they need, they need that guide, you know, the, the, the concept of story brand, there's this client who's the hero of the story who's stuck and they need the guide. And, and so there's always going to be that need for uh, an agency, an expert to come alongside. How do they find the, where people are stuck and what kind of guides they're going to be? Um, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with what you enjoy. Uh, for me, I, I didn't think that I would enjoy digital marketing. Um, I was a you know, in college, I was a communication major. I wanted to do something that was just kind of broad. I did take a programming class, uh, C++, and I hated it. Uh, it was terrible. And not only did I hate the programming, the teacher was an excellent programmer and not a very effective teacher. And so I had to drop the class. And so when, when I think about that, you know, me as a college student, 
And then I think about now that I, you know, my company develops and codes websites, um, that doesn't fit for me. And so, uh, but I, you just have to figure out what you enjoy and what you like. Um, for me, I enjoyed sitting down with a business owner or a leader of a nonprofit and dreaming about how can we grow and, and what could be the future and how can we use the power of the internet to do that. And it happened to be, we need a better website and we need SEO and we need PPC and social media and video. But really the core of it is I want to grow my business. I, I know that marketing is the lever that I need to pull in a more effective way print advertising radio tv is is not working as well as it once did and so how can i leverage this digital channel and so just helping them navigate that has been what i really enjoyed you know what that makes a lot of sense anything where there's growth business growth especially revenue growth though profit of course is really important too anything that will help people grow their business that way that clearly that cleanly that directly is ripe for a consulting business right yeah. So if there's a new marketing technique that's working and companies that want to figure it out, be the company that does that. If there's a way to reduce expenses, people are less excited about reducing expenses, but it's important to create an agency for that. Let me say this to the audience. Anyone out there who is using, uh, who's thinking about launching something, you need a website. The easy way to get started is to go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. When you go to that URL, you get the lowest price possible. Matt, you told me openly you started out with Hostgator. Am I right? I started out with a different company and then I switched to HostGator as my second hosting provider. I was on one of their reseller programs. and Where you were I, creating sites for other people on HostGator, reselling correct. it. Now, correct. openly, you had an issue with them and I told you we're not holding back. What's the issue? <laughs> no, I, I would say it wasn't necessarily an issue where like, man, it was down all the time or anything like that. It was more of a, I started to outgrow the, the plan that I was on and I was looking for kind of the next level of service. Mm -hmm. And I think also there were some changes in their business. Maybe they were acquired. And then I think in, they were in the midst of doing, you know, back-end business integration, I assume. And, and there's been a lot of talk about maybe the service level or whatever changed. And so that was a time I was reading a lot online about people unhappy. And, and in my experience with some of that, as well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I found another, I actually, from there, I think, uh, just got a dedicated server, um, on some, in some data center in Dallas and was on it for, for several years. So Happy. yeah, the company was founded 18 years ago. They did have a period where customer support wasn't where it should be. And I was open about that when we were doing ads for them, I was open about it. And then when they got things back on track, I signed back up with them and we started to, to talk about them more. The experience, the experience I had is they did have great customer support. And then the other thing that I noticed was when we were ready to scale up, because we joined just a few years ago, there was somebody there to give us the exact experience we wanted. They start out with these cheaper or inexpensive plans, but they do grow with you. And we were able to call them up and scale up. And uh, it's still much less expensive than the competition, as reliable as ever, and I'm happy to be with them. Anyone out there who wants to go sign up with them, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And I, I always want to be open about my sponsors, the good, the bad, and I would never use them unless they weren't great in the end. Matt, you started out this, this agency with a co-founder. Why not just do it by yourself? Why not figure out front page and a couple of other apps and just build it yourself? Uh, actually, that's not right. Uh, I started the business all myself, 100% owner for 
uh, let's see, 2005 to 2016, 11 years. Okay. And then, and then I was approached by a friend of mine and a mentor in business to become a uh, investor in the business. And so I, I became business partners after 11 years in business. Uh, he invested in the business Correct. At first. And then- No, not at first, after no. 11 years. No, sorry, yeah. but his his connection to the business was just an investment, not a partnership or anything like that. Not he he wasn't working in the company. He is not an employee, correct? Okay, all right. And then tell me about the this fancy lunch that you had at your place for four dollars and ninety five cents with Aaron that led to him oh. working with you. Yeah. Um. So early on in the in the business, I was getting more and more work, mostly through referrals. And I was needing some help. Uh, I had more work than I could handle on my own. And so I was the early days of how do I hire my first employee, basically. And I took the approach, and maybe it's a non-traditional one, where I said, I, I know that I can't handle paying someone a salary, even if it was a small salary. So what I'm going to do is find someone who'd be willing to kind of take a risk with me and be a contractor. Um, and then I'm going to do everything I can do every day to sell more websites. And when we get a website, you help me build it. And so we, this guy named Aaron, who's still on my team, he's one of my, one of my best friends now in the world. And uh, we've been working together for about 10 years. Uh, he, he signed up and said, hey, that sounds cool. Sounds like we could build something special together. And, um, but yeah, he, he first was a contractor for several years and we would split every website that that got sold. So he would get, I think we did, he got 40%, I got 40% and then we put 20% back into the business to help it grow. And the way you found him was you saw a site, you liked it. You said, who built this? Turns out it was Aaron Whitaker. And that's why you invited him out to that fancy lunch. Yes. Yeah. He happened to be in my same hometown, Barlington, Texas. And uh, I liked the site that I had run into that he had built. Also, at that time, I was not using WordPress or any any CMS platform. Mm-hmm. And the site that he built was in WordPress. And so I learned that that he knew more about that was, you know, the early days of WordPress. And so yeah, I, I said, Hey, would you mind meeting up for lunch? And uh, he said, sure. And so I, I, he said, where do you want to eat? And I, I pitched him on this place that was one of my favorite kind of hole in the wall places. Uh, it was called Main Street Cafe. And uh, Looking back, we laugh about it because it's, you know, it's like one of these really, really low cost uh, places. But at that time, I ate there two or three times a week because, again, I was <laughs> I was at a very different place financially and, and it was close to my house. And yeah, so that's that's where we went. And uh, I think we just hit it off like we just connected as people. We were in similar life stages. We were newly married. Uh, we were both into kind of digital marketing. His dad owned a Christian nonprofit organization that he grew up in. And so we kind of had some different things in common. And, um, and so, yeah, we said, let's do this thing together and see what happens. And so that's, that's how I got my first, first person in the business. The other thing I'm interested in is at some point he came to you and he said, essentially this feast or famine thing that happens with the digital agencies, it's just too tough to build a life on. I need a little consistency. So the two of you went to McDonald's. Well, you guys were living it up back then. (laughs) You sat down at McDonald's with a notepad to try to figure out how to create a consistent salary for him. What are the ideas you kicked around and then what did you end up with? Yeah, it was kind of one of these, uh, 
hey, Matt, can I talk to you for a minute? Uh, and then my wife, my wife and I had a talk last night and, and she really wants me to have a salary. You know, we, we need to have a budget and, you know, we need to have, know what we're going to make each month. And I said, Hey man, I get it. So, so yeah, we, we went out to lunch that day. Uh, it happened to be at McDonald's, I believe. And so we took the notepad, but there, there was a lot of like what I would call mini mastermind or ideation sessions that happened when we, we stepped away from the computer, stepped away from the inbox and all the sort of whirlwind of the day to day and went to lunch together. And there was a lot of creative, like, what if we, we asked what if a lot at lunch. And so we often took the notepad with us and uh, it was mostly around just what's fair. You know, what I, I just said, what, what do you, I mean, he knew what we made as a company uh, and he knew how many projects we had and, and so we just kind of looked back historically at what did he have made in the last six months, and we tried to find some, you know, median that we could make it more routine and more regular. And so we just we just talked back and forth what's fair to the company, what's fair to me, what's fair to him, and we we found a win win solution. Since you were though splitting splitting forty percent for you, forty percent for him of all the revenue that was coming in. If he needed consistent salary, that means you're the one who would sometimes go under 40%. Yeah. And how are you going to do that and not endanger your family? Well, um, I was the owner. And so, you know, it was my job to take the risk. But did and you come up with a plan mentally? Did you at that point say, okay, now I've got to get serious. I need to have a real pipeline. I need to do what? Did you do any of that? I, I would say it definitely was motivating. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, at that point, it wasn't just me and my wife. Uh, it was it was he and his wife, and they had yeah. one daughter. And so, yeah, it, the the weight of that and the burden of that uh, became very real, and um, and it and it still is today. I, I now have hundreds of families uh, that 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 are counting on Thrive. Uh, what did you do differently then? What did you do now that you knew that you had all this? Uh, you mean when, when I paid Aaron, when I started paying Aaron a salary? Yeah. Now you had a real salary and you had a different relationship, a different set of obligations. What did you do now that you were sitting down and saying, I got to get serious? Well, I think a couple of things that we did is we basically asked the question, how can we get more leads? Mm -hmm. And then we started, you know, investigating what is it that's going to, going to get us more leads. And, um, along the way, what I would say is I'm, I'm a big believer in, thinking differently and, uh, you know, really sitting in the seat of my potential customer and looking back at myself and my company and asking what would make me want to buy from that, from that business. And one of the things that Aaron and I talked a lot about was, um, we could do cold calling, we could do, you know, mail, we could do all these sort of outbound tactics, but sitting in that chair, we asked, does that work for us? Like, do we enjoy buying from people who do that to us? And the answer is no. So maybe that's not what we should focus on. Maybe we need to focus on inbound. Maybe we need to focus on being visible when someone Googles web design company, Dallas, Texas. Uh, and so that's what we started investing in and started trying to figure out and what is this thing called SEO and how can uh -huh. we rank and drive more, more leads and, and all along the way, this is kind of the running joke since, since those days and to now is we, uh, we sort of figured it out along the way for ourselves. And then once we figured out how to do it and do it effectively for us, 
then we'd sell it to our client. Now we were the experts and we could then become the consultant to help. And that's really how the agency expanded from just web design and being a project-based business and having the ups and downs of, of income and then focusing more on recurring revenue uh, with, with some of these other you know, marketing services. What was working for you with search engine optimization back then? Take me back. Well, uh, we ranked for a couple of keywords in our local area. How, uh, what was it about? Was it uh, buying links back then? Was there something else? Oh, what, what was working? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, back then there was a lot more like just keywords in the title tags. And, you know, there was a lot, a lot, it's a lot less sophisticated uh, than it is now. We've never really bought links. I mean, that's kind of a, you know, what, what I mean is black hat type tactics. Yeah. I've never really, uh, I've never really gotten into that. Um, but yeah, we just, we just decided for, for me, I kind of thought about it. Like if I was, uh, again, if I was a, someone buying this service, uh, at that time I was doing a lot of face-to-face meetings. I knew that if I could get in person with somebody, I had a really good chance at building trust with them and they would buy from us. And so I just said, let's just focus on my hometown of Arlington, which is about 400,000 people. So first it was web design Arlington and we ranked number one after some time for that. And we were seeing leads come in. So then we said, what if we could rank for Fort Worth, which is a larger city. And then we did that. And then, man, what if we ranked for Dallas, which is the adjacent city. And, um, and we did, did that too. And so, that sort of opened my eyes to what's possible. Then, then there was the shift of, I don't have to get all my leads through referrals. I don't have to get all my leads through some form of outbound. I can actually turn my website into a lead generation engine. Uh, and, and there are people that are ready to buy and they've searched and found my business and they're ready to buy it. So, um, that was a game changer. Meanwhile, that's what thrive agency does now, right? The, the bulk of your work is how do we get customers for our people? You'll do content writing for them, right? Yeah. SEO, um, email marketing. That's right. We do SEO, pay-per-click, social media, um, content writing, email marketing, link building. Uh, we've really created kind of a broad suite web. We still do web design and development. Um, so we've created a broad suite of services that are all based online. We don't do print and we don't do you know, radio or TV. So we're focused in the digital channel. Uh, but then, yeah, every client comes to us at a different place. Um, and so we kind of analyze where they are and then we help them with our services and help them kind of move forward and, and rank higher and, and drive better ads and more leads. And, and also with people. I'm sorry, what is it? A big, oh, big piece? I was going to say another segment of a big piece of what we do is e-commerce. So we've gotten into working with a lot of e-commerce clients as well so and being successful in that too. Driving traffic or sales on Amazon and other platforms? Um, we do we do Amazon, we do Walmart, we do you know all the marketplaces, but then we also do you know optimization of, of their domain. So if they have a, you know, mensportinggoods.com or whatever. We, we help them on their domain as well. Got it. So if someone's listening to us right now and they say, I'd like to do better marketing for my company next year, what's the minimum that they could come to you with? What's the minimum ad spend? Yeah. So there's kind of two, two things you need to think about. 
um, when you think about working with an agency. One is the amount that you're going to spend with the agency and it's kind of their fee that they keep. And then the other would be, what am I going to spend with Google through the Google ads platform or Facebook through Facebook ads or Amazon through Amazon ads. And so from the client side, those two numbers add together to a total, but, but from thrive, we don't, we don't actually um, take money from the ad spend. We, we do base our fee based on percentage of ad spend. Um, but we, that money goes straight to those ad providers. Uh, so anyway, the, the target that you need to think about is, you know, we're, we're usually working with companies that are around a million dollars in revenue. And then we have, you know, that's a small end. And then we have companies that are 50 to hundred million. And then we have some companies that are over a hundred million. But you'll uh, even work with somebody who does only $2,000 a month in ad spend and you'll manage that for them. Uh, we will on some of the platforms. So that's, you know, on Facebook and Google ads. Um, most of our clients that hire us to do SEO, that's about the, the fee, $2,000 a month. And so we, we spend time optimizing, writing content, building links, helping them rank higher organically uh, okay. as well. Most of our clients come to us because they want to have one agency where they can do all that. So they, they say, I, I need SEO, I need PPC, I need social media, uh, you know, I need content. So, so we can provide all of that under, under one roof. And so a lot of those sort of, you know, add up. Another big thing that we really specialize in, we'd love to um, continue to grow in is multi-location businesses. So they're, they're a franchise or, or essentially own business that has 30 or 40 locations across the United States. And they want to see, can you help me in each of my locations? But they're looking for an agency that's big enough uh, you know, that has over a hundred employees or so that they can handle their, their size. All right. Let me take a break here and then come back. I want to find out about this thing that your family did growing up that was unusual with, well, we'll talk about it in a second, but my second sponsor is Gusto. Matt, you and I were talking before this interview started about why people use and like Gusto. You have more experience with them than I do. One of the things that we both uh, understood was that for companies who have employees that are all over the country, it's a pain to find a way to pay them all and to deal with all the different rules, with all the different situations in different cities, different states. And what Gusto does is they just make it super easy. It doesn't matter where your people are in the country. It doesn't even matter, frankly, Matt. Do you still have 1099 people? People who yeah. get 1099? You do. Gusto handles it, right? Yeah. Handles all of it and... It's a beautiful, easy to use interface, not just for you, but for your employees. I used to use one of their competitors because it was well-known. It was been around forever. It was awful. It was one of these like old systems where the guy was so proud that I could sign up with him using a, like in a, using a, a digital experience. I said, great, where do I sign? He goes, I'll come right over. He comes over with, an, with like an iPad knockoff that they give him and he gives me this fake iPad pencil that I sign on his, and I go, this is what you're excited about? I didn't want to anyone say anything, but that was awful. And I realized it's because they upgraded from the fax machine. We're not talking decades ago. We're talking about just a few years ago. Mm. And this is what I felt. The people who work for you feel even worse. When you work with Gusto, you have an experience that helps you take good care of your people. They have a beautiful experience. They, they have an app. They have um, a well-designed site. And frankly, they just get paid however they want to get paid. And it's an 
incredible experience for you that allows you to just set it, forget it, move on and manage your business. It is now at a point where people are starting to think about how am I going to take care of my people next year? This is a conversation. This is something that you should be doing now during the holidays, before the holidays, as fast as possible to just know what your options are for next year. You might want to start next year off fresh with Gusto doing your payroll. If you go to gusto.com slash Mixergy, they'll even let you try it for free. And you're going to get to see why so many businesses use Gusto. We've heard about them in the news so much. They're one of these story new startups. Actually, they're not a startup anymore. They've been around for a few years. But the reason that everyone's talking about them is because they're such a pleasure to work with. What was their name before, Matt? Yeah, the, when I started working with them, they were called Zen Payroll. And I was using an outsourced bookkeeper and accountant, and they were also running payroll for me manually. And... Um, yeah, I just ran into situations where I needed more access, more control. Also, uh, started growing a team, you know, nationwide. We, we are a remote-based company, so we have team members. Always were remote-based? Uh, no, initially we weren't. Uh, and then we had kind of a, we had one of my key employees move to another state and we decided it was time to, to think about remote. I got to tell you a remote story in a minute, but first let me close this out by saying for anyone who's out there, go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. They will make it easy for you, especially with remote people. Here's uh, this, my friend Noah Kagan who runs Sumo. He had one of his key people, Anton, say, I want to go back to living in the Bay Area. I got family there. I want to enjoy life there. So Noah's practical. He goes, all right, let's think about all the things that could fail. And I want to have the same type of experience that we have with you here because we like you. I said, Anton, what'd you guys decide? Here's what it was. Anton had like a computer that was always dialed into one Zoom room that, um, that, was, um, that allowed him to basically have a presence in the Sumo office. So if his people walked by, they would just see Anton on a computer, just his face there. If he was eating, they would see him eating. They just recreated the in-person experience for Anton the whole day yeah. on this computer. I go, Anton, is that kind of weird? No weirder than anything else that happens at Sumo. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, that's the way people did remote. Yeah, they needed to attach it to one of those uh, Japanese robots that could drive around the office. I was surprised that they didn't do that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Isn't uh, I thought AnyBot had that for a while. There was someone who was uh, one of the Y Combinator partners, I think, was working on that. Um, Yeah, it's now we've all realized it doesn't even matter. Just keep everyone on Zoom. All right. the Boy Scouts. There was someone in the Boy Scouts whose parents just up and left. Am I understanding this right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I've forgotten what I talked to you all about in the, the pre-interview. Um, yeah, I want to be sensitive or careful with this because this is not probably something that this family wants to be broadcast. Okay. Um, but but yeah, there was an opportunity where my family uh, was able to help another family, and we took in uh, a couple couple of boys that were my age. Um, so I, I'm, I have a half brother and a half sister that are a lot older than me and they, I didn't really grow up with them. They lived uh, in another state with mm-hmm. their mom, but, uh, so I was kind of an only child, but I had a lot of friends. And, uh, so these two guys moved in with our family, uh, for about a year, uh, when their family was going through a transition. The whole family do-gooders is what I'm getting. Yes. Entrepreneurial, but do, do-gooders. You guys pray before going to sleep every night? Um, yeah. You, you did. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I was watching some movie on Apple TV, a Tom Hanks movie, and you see him praying. And I thought, 
it must be such a such a good experience to end the day before going to bed to just pray to center yourself for a little bit. Does it help? What does it do? Well, now I I pray with my kids. I have I have four kids, um, and we we have a bedtime routine, and and part of that is reading a book together and spending time together in the evening. Reading a book, work. any book at all? Uh, they get to choose. So we okay. kind of have a library, and they they choose what book they want for bedtime. Uh, and and so yeah, we read all kinds of different books. And then uh, you pray with them. And then yeah, usually they I, sometimes I forget, and they say. Daddy, don't you know? Let's let's pray, and and I don't just pray. They they also pray for the things that are on their heart as well. So you just speak to God, and they say, "God, thank you for this, and help me have that." That's the yeah. approach. Yeah, a lot of it lately has been uh, you know praying for COVID and the, the people mm-hmm. that are hurting out there in the world, and um, you know keep my my father is uh, going up in in age. He's eighty one, and he actually had a. Uh, surgery recently to remove a brain tumor. Uh, wow. And so a lot of it has been around just health in our family. And, and yeah. What does it give uh, you that you pray? What does it give you that you have a connection to a higher power? Oh, wow. Um, and what does it give me? I would say it gives me a, a purpose uh, in life. Um, I, I look at, uh, I'm a big history uh, buff. I enjoy learning about ancient history and more recent history. I especially love like World War II. And when I think of history, I think of the word history. And to me, when I hear it in my mm-hmm. ears, it's, it's his story. And and I see how uh, God has been working in, in our world since ancient times. And, and so you see that God is working out. through you to do something that's bigger than... Yeah than you might think if you were just a regular guy running an agency. That's right. My life in the grand scheme of time, uh, you know, when, when I, when I die and have a tombstone, that little dash in between the two years is my life. And, uh, that's a short amount of time in the the scheme of eternity. So what's the work through you? What's the bigger purpose of running a digital agency? Yes. I read the case studies. I saw the people you helped, you helped them get more followers, more fans, more customers, more traffic, all those things. I'm watching yeah. you, your eyes, even as I say that it's, that's nice. I'm, I'm oversimplifying your work, obviously, but what's, <laughs> what's, what's the big benefit then? What's the big thing that that's bigger yeah. than all this that I see? Well, um, my wife and I, thought that we were going to be in full-time ministry, both of us. Uh, and we thought that was the calling that we would give our lives to serving others and serving God. And um, what I realized is that God needs business people too, and he can use business people. And I had some unique skills. I had unique background, lived growing up in an entrepreneurial family and, and I'm, I'm entrepreneurial, just, just who I am. And I, I love helping business owners because I relate to them. And so for me, it's, it's several things. One, I have a heart for my client and I want them to, to be impacted in a positive way so that they can impact their communities and, and their employees and they can provide for their families. Number two, it's my team. When I started out, it was just me and my wife and it was important for me to grow my business so that I could provide and, and have a living wage. And, uh, but now it's so much bigger than that. And so my ministry today is to my employees. And so I spend most of my day thinking about how can I help my team? And I have a lot of conversations and uh, I pray with my team members if they ask for it and I help them with 
personal financial advice. I help them with relationship advice. I help them with all kinds of things that they, you know, are open to talk with me about. And uh, the third thing is giving back. Um, my wife and I have from day one uh, tithed off of our income, which is a 10%. We give back to 10%. And so we, we, we do that now. We give 10% of our profit back to organizations that we support. And like I said, we thought we were going to be full-time ministry, but what, what we learned is that the, some doors were closed for that. And it's a longer story, but, but then this door opened to have this business. And now we're actually able to give to support multiple people who are doing that around the world. And um, my wife and I heard a story about a gentleman named R.G. Letourneau. I'd love for any of your listeners to research him. He's a, a businessman that lived back in kind of the World War II era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Letourneau University is named after him. And he was a Christian businessman who uh, kind of submitted his business and his life to God. And he was very successful. And at some point in his business, he and his wife made the decision to do what they call a reverse tithe, where they live off of 10% of their income and they give away 90% of their income. And my wife and I were really motivated by that. Like, wow, isn't that amazing that someone can, can use their skills to, to in business, but then make an impact in the world. And so um, we set a goal. Uh, we set a goal that we would, we would reach 50%. So we would, the amount that we make as a family, we would also give that amount away. And last year we reached it, we actually surpassed it. So uh, we gave almost 200% of what we made last year as a family. We gave that away. Yep. I'm looking them up by the way. That's a big motivator for me to continue to grow the business. I see that. I see the power there. RG Letourneau has 300 patents relating to earth moving equipment. His name apparently is synonymous with earth moving equipment. Um, yeah, he was the inventor of a lot of the earth moving machinery that, that took building roads from just a manual crew with shovels and pit, you know, pitchforks to being a machinery based, um, process. Let me talk about the difficult, uh, time in the business. At one point you felt you were the bottleneck. You were under a lot of stress. You even had a panic attack. What's a panic attack like? What does it feel like to have it? Wow. Um, l- let me first say that I appreciate more now people who deal with small levels and, and large levels of mental, um, mental health after I've gone through this experience. So about three years ago, I was sleeping in my bed, normal night, and I woke up and I was just in a panic. And I, I don't remember having a dream but something just triggered and I was, it, it feels the, the best way I could describe it is if you've ever been in a car and you almost get in an accident, you don't get in the accident or maybe you do, but, but it's like a close call and your heart races and there's the adrenaline and there's kind of the fear moment. And then it kind of goes away, you know, a minute later, a panic attack is like turning that on and it doesn't go away. It, it, it flips on and then it does not flip off. And that's what it feels like. What do you think that was going on in your life that caused that? Well, um, I would say there was a lot of different things. Uh, I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of research uh, into the kind of 
biology of things that may have been going on with my brain. I did some, you know, honest looking at my, you know, habits, uh, eating habits, exercise, sleep, all that. But I, I came to the point where I talked to an expert. He was a, a great guy. I'm really glad I, I found him, Dr. Dan McGee. He studied uh, stress and anxiety for over 30 years as his expertise. And I was meeting with him and he said, man, it sounds like uh, you're having some, some typical signs of uh, just you just pushed your body too far and your body is telling you something's got to change. And, and he said, in the 30 years of studying the effects of stress and anxiety on, on people, uh, the summary of everything I've learned comes down to this. And, and I could tell, I was like, hold on a minute, let me get my notepad. You know, when someone says that, it's like, you want to write this down. And he said this, such a, such a simple message. He said that stress is the mismatch of the demands of your environment and your ability to cope with those demands. And when the demands of the environment are higher than your ability to cope, that gap is stress. And stress over time can manifest in anxiety and over time into depression. And so what do we do when we have that gap? Well, we have three options. And unfortunately, most people jump to option three. But, but in his mind, you try option one first, and if that doesn't work, you try option two. And if that doesn't work, option three is the last resort. But option one is you try to improve your ability to cope. Uh, that could be um, learning something new about, about yourself. Maybe you're believing uh, something like, like a belief could be, I have to make everyone happy. Well, maybe that's a lie. Maybe that's not actually true. And if you could kind of understand that and, and come out of that then your ability to say, I'm going to let that thing go. And even if it makes that person unhappy, that's okay. Cause I don't have to be perfect. That would be an example of changing your ability to cope with, with the demands of your environment. And, and unfortunately in the business world, that is a very common one. There, there's this concept of perfectionism that I have to be perfect and high achievement. So and he's I, basically I saying you could do this. Yeah. He, he's saying, he's not saying stop trying to cope. Coping is one technique, try it. And then if it doesn't work, go to the next. Before we hear the next two, what was yeah. going on in your life or in your business that created that gap that led to this stress? Um, I would say that we were at a time where we were really starting to ramp up our growth. Mm -hmm. um, I had just become business partners with my, my partner, Kurt, and he had really challenged me to think bigger about my business. Okay, And uh, so I think part of it was I was excited about that, but also scared a little bit. And, and I was nervous about what does that mean? And, you know, I, I asked myself and my wife all the time, growth at what cost? Mm. And, and I have to keep that in check and not just cost for me, but cost for my, my team. Um, so uh, I'm a big believer that a healthy company is made up of healthy employees and, and defining what that word healthy means is important. But, so but what, I, what did you think you were going to have to do in order to get that growth? What was the part that was on your mind? Well, uh, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to five X the business in, in four years. I mean, we, we set a, we set a big, hairy, audacious goal. And so it was just the, the concept of that, you know, it, was it just of, the concept or are you also starting to spend in order to get there? And that's, yes. that's what it was. That it, now you're starting well, to yeah. commit to this thing. And yep. if you don't grow that much, then you could lose money and everything else could, could be damaged. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yep. 
So first step was try to, first attempt was try so to cope. Did you try to cope your somehow? ability to cope. So bring that coping ability up to the level of the demands of the environment and then you're, you have balance. Um, if that doesn't work, try to, no, step two, try to add or remove something from your environment. So, okay. um, you know, it, there could be a situation in a business where uh, maybe there's a, a toxic uh, client or a toxic employee or, uh, uh, you know, some, some practice that you're doing, you're working 12 hour days, you know, you need to you know, change something, add or remove something. Uh, Dr. McGee said he had a client that he, he started uh, taking a nap on his lunch hour. He'd drive home, eat lunch, and then take a 30 hour nap. And that, that helped him uh, a lot. So adding or removing something from the environment could be something physical or something like uh, non-physical, but it, that basically, can you change the demand? Can you lower the perceived demand of the environment in some way to get okay. that balance back? Okay. And so then if that doesn't work, the third option, which is the most drastic, is change environments. And that's quit your job, quit your marriage, you know, move to a new city, uh, you know, more of the drastic. And unfortunately, when, when you're in this state of mind, when you're having anxiety and you're having panic attacks, it, it feels extreme. I mean, it, it is, I had a series of these over about two months and one of them lasted about four hours and I had to go to the ER. I mean, I, I was like, I was really in a bad place. And so I understand why in that state of mind, people are like, I'll do anything to avoid this. Like I will, I will quit my job. I will, you know, I will move to a new town if it means that I'm not going to have this experience. Um, but, but unfortunately, like many things in life, when we make big decisions based on, you know, emotional logic, <laughs> then, then sometimes we can regret that. And so he's saying, hold on, not saying you shouldn't move to a new city, not saying you shouldn't maybe change jobs, but let's try these other things before you get to that point. And I just think there's some wisdom in that. Um, and I think today I've seen, especially maybe in the, maybe this is a stereotype, but in our you know, in the younger age levels that there seems to be this sort of like jump to just, you know, quit my job. Uh, right. I'm feeling too much stress. This isn't working. Let's just stop. Or maybe you get to a place where you can't do anything because you've allowed it to go on for so long that all you can do is just throw your hands up and say, I I'm done. Yeah. And so for you, it was, you went to the first step, you tried coping, improving your coping mechanism. Um, you change your limiting beliefs. You talk to our producer, you worked on yourself. That wasn't enough. And then you moved on to step number two, which is add or remove something from your environment. It seems like that made a big difference because you said everything is coming through me. I'm not delegating enough. I yeah. have to now find a way to create a company, not a, a tough job for me. Delegating for you meant what? I kind of assumed it was systemizing some things, which is what I mentioned earlier, but it's more than that. Or what is it? Well, it's it really at the core, it's, it's trusting other people. That's what the core of it is. Uh, trusting that other people will take care of your baby. <laughs> and, and so letting go of control. And that's so hard for a lot of entrepreneurs. And it, 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 it is and continues to be sometimes hard for me. I, I've, I've learned to adapt and sort of, I think, live my life yeah. with hands, but um, in general. But there are things that I still like to control. But yeah, for me, it was saying, I can't be the person that makes every decision in the business or every important decision. 
I have to have some good people around me that can that can make some of these decisions. And What's I an example of something that you handed to somebody else? Because right now it feels like every entrepreneur knows to do this. What is, if you give me something specific? I think we'll feel the pain of yeah. that so, transition. You know, in the early days, I designed and built every website. Well, then I, I brought Aaron in and I handed that off to him. He was, yeah. he, frankly, he was better at it than I. Than How I about after after this panic attack? What was after a big this move? panic attack? Um, it really, it was a lot about managing the client. A lot of the client situations. Uh, there was this uh, before that. Anytime a client might get frustrated. I was on the front line trying to take care of them, make them, you know, feel like they were being taken care of. And I had to let my team do some of that as well. Uh, you know, the escalation point, um, I had to share that with the team. Um, now I've handed off the sales process. Uh, I've handed off the, you know, account management process. I've handed off even a lot of the hiring, that was one that more recently, just in the last three to five, three to four months, um, I'm still involved in hiring decisions for some of our senior level people, but some of the others uh, I'm not involved in. And so that was hard for me as well to, to let go. But, but I, I found, uh, I listened to a, a talk one time where a, a person asked a bunch of business owners, what is the single biggest limiting factor in your business? And there were all kinds of answers. But it, it came down to the speaker said, all of these are good things, but they're not the core. The core is you. You, the owner, are the single biggest limiting factor of your business. And that really hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I was the bottleneck that I had to get on my own way and, and release control. And so that's what I've continued to try to do. All right. Let's close out with, if somebody says, you know what, I kind of like this guy. I want to work with him. I know I'm not going to get to work with Matt directly because he's now learned to delegate. <laughs> what kind of work do you do today? In the past, we talked about just building basic websites. Give me, give me an example of something that you could do for someone who's listening to us. Yeah. I mean, we work with clients that primarily they want to grow, but they're feeling stuck. Maybe they're working with an agency now and they're not happy with the results or the transparency or the, you know, they feel like the team is not, um, providing very good service. Uh, so that, that's a lot of who we work with is clients who are committed to growing their business. Cause one of the things I tell, you know, on my team is, uh, if, if you have a business owner that doesn't want to grow, then there's not much we can, we can do for them. Um, so it's committed to growing their business. And they're looking to use digital marketing to do that. They're looking to be found in Google, be found on social media, uh, and, and have an excellent website that would uh, impress their visitor and build trust and, and be enough to actually get them to fill out a form or pick up the phone or push a buy now button uh, to you know, do a transaction. And so we just want to be the, the agency that's not the other, you know, it's not another failed marketing agency. It's not another waste of money with no results. We're, we're the one that's actually going to help them transform their business, transform the lives of their employees and, uh, and their communities. And, and also put, uh, put them in a position to impact others through giving back. That's part of my story that I, I love to help businesses grow and other business owners. You're going to make our people, you're going to make my audience into do-gooders like you? Uh, you know, if, if that's what they feel called, <laughs> to do, I would support that. <laughs> All right. The website is thriveagency.com. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first 
if you've got people working with you, even if we're talking 1099 people, I want you to go and check out gusto.com slash Mixergy. This is urgent. Do it before the end of the year. Get yourself set up for next year, right? That's gusto.com slash Mixergy. And then when you're ready to start a website, whether it's for a new consulting company or for anything, do what I did. Go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Both of those URLs will get you great deals from great companies. Thanks so much for being here, Matt. Andrew, it was really fun. Really good to meet you. And I want to learn more about you and your business. All right. Oh, you will. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Bye, Andrew. Bye-bye.